hold our Bible in our hand, make our confession together. I thank you, Father, that your word has the power to change my life. Today, I give heed to it. I allow it to go into my ears, then into my mind, and then into my spirit. I'm a hearer of the word and a doer of the word, and I'll never be the same after today. In Jesus' name, amen. Give your neighbor a Bible high five. Please don't break the screen on your mobile device, and you may be seated. This says, all the promises of God in him are yes, in him are amen. In God, all of the promises are true. God's involvement in our lives, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shake up some theology here. Uh, and uh, that's what we do here. That's our calling is to shake up everybody's theology, I think. But uh, God's involvement in our lives is not a knee-jerk reaction based upon his emotions, circumstances, or availability. God's involvement in our lives is based upon his covenant with us. And because of that covenant, he has made commitments to us or promises that we can count on because he will keep them. Now, thank God for miracles. I've had miracles. We've seen miracles. Thank God for miracles. Miracles are great. But you can't live your Christian life going from one miracle to another, hoping for a miracle here and a miracle there, and maybe God will miraculously show up and fix my situation. God has made promises. So I'm not waiting for my healing for the next miracle to happen. If it does happen that way, I mean, if you walk up, Pastor Steve, I have a word, you're dealing with something, and you lay hands on me and pray for me, and immediately it vanishes, that's awesome. Amen. I'll take it. But you can't live your Christian life like that, because Christian life is not based on a miracle a day. Or so a preacher say one time, and it sounds, it sounds good, a miracle a day keeps the devil away. <laughs> I'm going to say a promise a day keeps the devil away. Because a miracle might happen, might not happen. I hope it happens. But you can count on the promises. God will do what he said he would do. And I want to talk with you today about the promises, about promises. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 through 22, that we read uh, in the New King James, all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. But in the Message Bible, it says, whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. That's his yes on the promises of God. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he has destined to complete. The Message Bible, I like that. God's involvement in our lives is based on not one miracle after another, but one promise after another. When we try to live from one miracle to another, we aren't really sure what's going to happen, but we, when we live in his promises and we live in the assurance of what God promised, he will do. Everybody say, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. That's a promise. That's a promise. I stand on, what if you're not healed? I am I, healed, but what if you're not? But I am. But you might not be, but I am. But what if it doesn't happen? But I am. It's a promise. How I many you know God keeps his promises? Amen. Listen, I, 
I know people that keep their promises. I know people that don't. Not going to preach on you today. <laughs> but I know people that keep their promises. If people can keep their promises, can't God keep his promises? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. I have the mind of Christ and hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. That's a promise. The love of God is poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit. That's a promise. We don't just speak these things because they're scriptures. We speak them because they're God's promises. There are a lot of scriptures that concern the promises of God. The promise of the Holy Spirit. This is, I guess, my favorite one. There are lots of them. There are hundreds of them. Hundreds of promises God was not afraid to make because he knew he could keep them. But I think the promises of the Holy Spirit, I mean, if you thought I could teach two whole messages, just, not, you know, just on the Holy Spirit, on the scriptures that talk about the promise of the Spirit. That phrase, the promise of the Spirit, is all through the Bible. All through the New Testament, I might should say, in the Gospels and the book of Acts. And then you go into the, to the Paul's letters. And they're all talking not just about the Holy Spirit, but the promise of the Spirit. Luke chapter 2, 24, verse 49. Jesus says, Behold, I send the promise of my Spirit, of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. Note the condition that even though Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, the disciples needed to be in the right place at the right time to receive him. Oh, let's preach there for a while. But pastor, you said it was a promise. It didn't happen. But Jesus said, I'm sending the promise of the Spirit but you be sure that you're gathered in that upper room when it happens. Wonder if we had any of the disciples go AWOL. Somewhere else, they're down in the city somewhere, they're somewhere else and everybody's talking about, whoa, it was awesome. I mean, Pentecost fell and we were in the upper room and tongues of fire and it was awesome. And this guy said, oh, I didn't get it. Yeah, you weren't in the right place at the right time. Most, if not all, of the promises of God are conditional. Yes. Acts chapter 1, verse 45. And then, being assembled together with them, he decided, Jesus in Luke promises the disciples the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to come. The promise of the Holy Spirit. So you be sure you're in Jerusalem, in that upper room when it happens. But then, after he resurrected... Then he reminds them, being assembled together with them after the resurrection, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. Everybody say promise. promise. Wait for the promise. He didn't just say something's going to happen. He said, this is a promise. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and you need to be there. Jesus reminds his disciples after the resurrection. Then in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, after the Holy Spirit has fallen on them, the promise of the Spirit, then Peter said to the people, everybody else he's preaching to, to the crowd there, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, or in the Greek, because of the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. Here's the promise of the Spirit again. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off as many as the Lord God will call. Here again he's saying this promise of the Spirit was not just for us but it's also for you. 
Now, I'm not here to teach on the Holy Spirit this morning. What I'm teaching about is the promise. The promise of the Spirit for every believer. Because there are a lot of promises in the Bible. God was not afraid to make them. Acts chapter 7 verse 5, God promised Abraham children for an inheritance. He promised them. Everybody say, I promise. I promise. You know, when I said, everybody say, I promise, half of you didn't say it. I could tell when I said, say, I, I promise, that half of you said, I promise, half of you, because when you say, I promise, isn't there a weightiness to that? Isn't there a, I mean, when we were kids, are you going to come to my house tomorrow? Yeah, I'm coming. Are you sure you're coming? Yeah, I, I told you I'm coming. You promise? <laughs> well, I can't promise because I don't know what's going to happen. I can't promise. Don't you remember that as kids? We were always afraid to promise. We'd commit to anything, but we were always afraid to take that step and promise because we don't know what's going to happen. So Jesus didn't say, you know, I could send the Holy Spirit. Once I leave you guys, I'm going to send it to heaven. Let me see what's going on up there. If the Holy Spirit's available, <laughs> Jesus said, I promise. Are you getting this? You're getting the waiting? I promise the Holy Spirit's coming. And when he promised, they knew it was going to happen. God promised Abraham children. And in Romans chapter 4 verse 20, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God, knowing full well that what God had promised, he was well able to perform. When God says, I promise, we've all had promises broken. We've all had our hearts broken by people who promised something and, and we depended on that and it didn't happen. But when it comes to God, we need to get over what people have done to us because the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. Amen. Acts chapter 13 verse 23, God promised us a savior in Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 1 verse 2, we have the promise of eternal life. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1, we have the promise of entering into God's rest. These are promises. Hebrews 8, 6, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant that is based on better promises. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 4, Jesus promised to return. He promised. So he's coming. The Bible says in the last days, people will say, where is he? You said he was going to return and he, people have been waiting for him to return for a long time and he's not here. But listen, Jesus promised. I don't care how long it takes, it's going to happen. And it could be soon. Who believes that? Second Peter chapter 1. Are you enjoying this message as much as I am? Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue and by which, by the knowledge of God who called us by glory and virtue has been given to us exceedingly great and precious, say it, promises. promises. 
that through these promises you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Because of the promises you can be a partaker of the divine nature of God. Now don't go out of here and say Pastor Steve says that we're all God. I didn't say that. This says that because of the promises of God, we can partake of his divine nature. Amen. Everybody say, I am the head. I mean, you know that God is the head of everything. Right. Everything's under his feet. But he gave dominion, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. God gave dominion to us. And now we are the head. We are the tail. We are called to have dominion. Why? Because we're really hot stuff? No, because of the promises of God. Because of what he promised us, now we rule and reign on the earth as kings, the Bible says. We didn't make that up and we're not trying to be something we're not. That's what God says we are because of his promises and through those promises we may be partakers of the divine nature everybody say I'm the head I'm not the tail I'm above only I'm never beneath I'm on top all the time because God is and because of his promises I'm a partaker of his divine nature Oh, listen, when you get the promises, when you get this, then you, then you walk a little taller. Amen. Then you want to put a book on your head and start walking around the house and practice walking a little bit taller. Because I've got the promises of God, the divine nature. I'm going to stop walking like this. And I'm going to start walking like this. Because I have the divine nature of God on the inside of me. And I'm the head and not the tail. I better take this book off my head because I think people are taking pictures. <laughs> That's going to end up on Facebook, on, on social media if I'm not careful. But I want, you to, I want you to understand this is all because of his divine nature. And he promised. God promised. There are hundreds of promises. Nearly all of them, if not all of them, are conditional. We've got this book. And so if you don't have this, if you've been in this church longer than a year and you don't have this book, shame on you. God's promises for your every need. All these promises in here, these are promises. The thing I like, that this is not just scripture. These are promises that you can rely on. Be sure that you're in the right place at the right time to receive them. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is promised who has promised is faithful Amen. now when you look up the noun promise and you boil it down it could mean this it means that it means this it tenses out this way you look up the word promise and it all comes down to the word commitment this book could actually be called God's commitment for your every need a commitment, when, when we talk about commitment, it does something to us just like the word promise does. Are you going to do it? Yes. Are you sure you're going to do it? I told you I was going to do it. Stop asking me. You promise? <laughs> it 
It's the same thing in our lives when we're talking about marriage, when we're talking about uh, children, when we're talking about, I mean, everything in life takes people that will step up and make a commitment. God was committed to send the Holy Spirit. God was committed to send us eternal life. Jesus committed to returning. But that word commitment does something on the inside of us. And we just talk about, you know, uh, I love this church. What a great church. Man, I I love the preaching. I really love the preaching. The music's good, but man, the preaching is fantastic. (laughs) I love the children's ministry. I love the location. I love the new building. I I I love the church. Are you committed? What? So are you committed? Oh, it's a great church, man. I love this church. It's wonderful. It's right it's close to my house. Are you committed? The word commitment just does something weird to us. It's interesting the images the word commitment brings up in our minds. Most of you have already heard the story about the hen who's talking with the pig in the barnyard one morning and comes up with a great idea. The farmer's been so good to us, feeding us, giving us a great barnyard to roam around in, as well as shelter for the storms. Why don't we provide him with a nice breakfast of ham and eggs this morning? (laughs) The pig replies, that's easy for you to say. For you to produce an egg is a sacrifice, but for me to produce ham is a total commitment. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. Many people fear commitment. They fear saying, I promise. They fear being, I'm committed. But there's no reason to to be afraid of that. God committed to us, but God also requires commitment from us. And everybody wants the commitments of God, but very few people want to then commit to him. Everybody wants to go to heaven. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We'll not perish. We'll have everlasting life. We like that part. But it says, but whosoever believes in him, and that word believe in the Greek is the Greek word pistuo, which means to trust or to rely on. Whoever trusts him with their life and relies on him for their future they will not perish but have everlasting life so it's not just a commitment from God but it also requires a commitment from us our relationship with God is not minute by minute action by action event by event miracle to miracle it's a commitment both ways God told the Israelites and ultimately us I love this listen to this I will be your God and you will be my people. Look at the commitment that's it. God just didn't say, hey, traipse out. Listen, you guys traipse out across the desert, head toward the promised land, and if I can, I'll catch up with you. And if, they, if, if there's something I can do for you, then I got other stuff to do. And, but, but, you know, it's a big world. A lot of people calling on me. And, but, but listen, you guys head out, and maybe we'll meet somewhere in the desert. No, God said, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be with you all the time. I'm going to be your God. But also, you're going to be my people. Are you getting this? Commitment. I'm going to be committed to you, but then you're going to be committed. Committed. Everybody say committed. Committed. Everybody say committed like you're not afraid of it. Committed. 
committed, you're going to be committed to me. We're going to be committed to each other. The kingdom of God and the fruit of our lives runs on commitment. Our vocations require commitment to be successful. If you're not committed to your vocation, our friendships require commitment to flourish. Anybody have friends? Two of you have friends? I'm preaching the wrong message. Any of you have friends? Any of you have friends that are really committed? No matter what happens, they're committed. You have friends that are... Um, you're not sure? Our children require commitment to grow as we parent them. It takes a commitment to raise kids. They're cute when they're babies. I saw, I saw two parents. I saw a husband and a wife in the grocery store, and this two- or three-year-old was acting like a two or three year old quite interesting I mean it was just like uh, Ryan that was, was, that was his name this wasn't too long ago I still remember Ryan come here Ryan Ryan don't touch that Ryan Ryan stop Ryan will you stop that and finally she looked at her husband and she said this was your idea <laughs> children require a commitment as they grow up our marriages require commitment to make it through all the attacks all the challenges all the adjustments we know what it's like to have a marriage that's under attack we know what it's like for all hell to come against our marriage and the only thing there are times in our marriage not last week but years ago there are times in our marriage I'm telling you the only thing the only thing that got us through it wasn't our love for each other and it wasn't how wonderful I am or how wonderful she is it was our commitment I hate your guts but we stood before God and everybody else and said that we were going to stay till each, with, each other, with each other till we died and I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to do it. Remember having that conversation? Yeah. The only thing that got us through was commitment. Marriages take commitment. By the way, boyfriends don't get husband privileges. Ladies, listen to me. Boyfriends want husband privileges. They want in your bed, in your house, in your apartment, in your business. They want, uh, they want in everything. But the thing, but here's, but the deal is, but a relationship like that. Listen, don't have your names put on the same bank account and put your money together and doing all that stuff, playing house. Don't do that. I don't know the other way around. What you, what? Uh, women don't get wife privileges. Women don't get wife privileges. Well, I'm familiar with this other side. I'm not familiar with that side. But, uh. <laughs> Ladies, do you know what she's talking about? Yeah. Women do not get wife privileges unless you're married. Why? You know why? 
What's the big deal? I mean, everybody's doing it. Look at our society. You know why? Because that type of relationship is based on, anybody know the word? Commitment. Commitment. It's based on a commitment. I don't understand why Johnny won't, John, we've been talking about marriage, but he keeps putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Why wouldn't he? He gets everything he wants without it, without making a commitment. What's that song about putting a ring on it? If you, what? No, they, they played it in the gym the other day. I don't know, something. What? Put a ring on it, but yeah, but there's, anyway, I don't remember the song. Anyway, all right, so commitment, commitment, being committed to each other. Um, even our pets require commitment. Daddy, please, if you'll buy us the dog, we'll feed it. We'll give it water. We'll walk it every day. Surely you're not going to fall for that. <laughs> commitment. It takes a commitment our churches require our commitment so that the Holy Spirit can place us in his body as he wills to accomplish his purposes on the earth. Without commitment, all of these endeavors will fail. Commitment is often the missing ingredient in a business, in a relationship. Just being committed, just showing up. And here's what commitment says about you. When people commit, uh, we, take commi- we should take commitment seriously. I'm not saying, I'm not preaching this because I think everybody should just commit to everything. You need to take commitment seriously because people need to know when you make a commitment that you're committed. There are people that make commitments that aren't committed. Think about that. People need to know when you're committed, you're committed. There are other people, they make commitments and people go, well, yeah, we'll see. What your commitment to a cause says about you. First of all, your commitment says that you believe wholeheartedly in the cause. I'm committed. I believe wholeheartedly in the cause. I know uh, there, a long time ago there were churches used to give out bumper stickers that said honk if you love Jesus. You'd drive by and somebody'd honk. You know, I'd drive by somebody had a bumper sticker I'd honk because I love Jesus. And then I saw a bumper sticker off after that said if you love Jesus, tithe. Anybody can honk. <laughs> Talking about being committed. Being committed to the cause. Secondly, your commitment says that you're a person with depth of character, not flimsy or wishy-washy. Everybody needs to commit. Just don't go through life and not commit to anything. There are people who go through their whole life and they've never actually committed and said, you can count on me, I will. Thirdly, your commitment says that you will fight with others and not run when difficulty arises. Many won't commit so that they can keep their options open in case they need to run. Okay, we'll move on. Fourthly, your commitment says that others know who they can count on. Others know who they can count on. And commitments, commitments are... Uh, commitments are costly because a commitment means oh I committed and now 
this other thing has come up but I committed to that so if I committed to this then I guess I'm committed to that I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna have to do that the Bible there's a scripture in the Bible I should have looked it up that talks about swearing to your own hurt what that means is once you're committed you're committed and something else comes up you're committed and your commitment and other people know that oh I sure hope John makes it no John's committed John said he'd be here he'll be here John said he'd do it he'll do it and then fifthly your commitment says that you believe your actions will change the future we don't commit to things because we have nothing else to do we don't commit to things because we have no place else to put our resources we don't commit to things just because nothing else is going on in our life we commit to things because we see how our commitment can change the future so today I'm asking for your commitment I'm not asking how many people like the Grace Initiative. I'm not asking how many people love this church. How many people would like to see the children's ministry redecorated because we want to minister to children. I'm not asking how many people think missions are important. I'm not asking people how many think community outreach is important. I'm not asking how many people think families are important and we should have a church that builds strong families. I'm not asking that. I'm asking who will make a commitment. Who will step up and say, well, it's quiet in here. I'm asking who will step up and actually say, here, it's in writing. I'm committed. When you commit to the Grace Initiative, and we've already been over these projects for three weeks, so I'm not going to, and it's in a brochure. Every seat's got a brochure on it, and I'm not going to go over all of those again. Uh, we've been over the projects listed over the last three weeks. But when you do commit to the Grace Initiative, here's what you're saying. You're saying that you believe wholeheartedly in the cause. When you commit to the Grace Initiative, you're saying that you believe wholeheartedly in missions. You believe wholeheartedly in reaching the lost, in reaching and building strong families with the message of the gospel. Amen. Your commitment says that you're a person with depth of character, not flimsy or wishy-washy. When you commit to the Grace Initiative, you're saying that there's a depth to your life that will allow you to commit to a cause that is bigger than anything that you could accomplish by yourself. Amen. Amen. Thirdly, your commitment says to the Grace Initiative says that you will fight with others and not run when difficulty arises. Many, uh, when you commit to the Grace Initiative, you're saying that whatever challenges arise, you're willing to stand and fight. Your commitment to the Grace Initiative says that you lock arms together with your church family here and that we all stand together. And then your commitment to the Grace Initiative says that you're saying that you're a visionary, that you're anxious to see the future unfold in our community, in our children, and in our families. I'm asking for your commitment. I'm asking you to make a commitment. I'm asking you to make a prayerful commitment. I'm asking you to, to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking you to, to prayerfully consider what the Holy Spirit would have you to do. This is not arm twisting time. This is not if you don't want to commit to it, if you don't agree with it, if it's not something you want to do, if you're uncomfortable with it, then relax and just be at peace. It's all good. It's all good. 
I'm looking for those who are committed to this church and to those that are committed to the cause. I opened, I didn't design this brochure. Uh, Mike and his team designed it. But I want to tell you, when I opened it and I looked at it, we put a lot of pictures in there for, especially for people like me. Looked at the pictures, read what was happening. I want you to know I was inspired. This is the kind of church I want to go to. Everybody wants to go to a great church. The question is, who wants to be committed to it? Great churches are built out of great commitment. They're not just built because people like the church. Great churches are built out of great commitment. So I want to ask you to take the commitment card that you, out of your seat. If you brought one already, fill it out. We brought one already, filled it out. So uh, hand it here, baby. I want to ask you to take the commitment card that you already filled out. If you didn't already fill one out, there's one in your seat. And we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray over these. I want everybody to stand and I want everybody to take a card filled out or not if you don't have one filled out yet I just want you to pick up the blank card because we're going to pray over it and then the worship team's going to come and uh, they're going to uh, lead us in worship as we decide what we're going to do with this if you're with your spouse you need to pray with them or, and talk with them Connie and I conversed Connie and I worked with this we prayed over it asked the Holy Spirit what he wanted us to do that's what I want you to do and uh to quote John Avanzini, guys, listen to your wives. They have more faith than you do. And uh, let's make a commitment. That's, don't make a wild commitment. I'm committing $100 billion. Don't make a wild commitment like that. And it, but at the same time, use your faith. Use your faith. What would the Holy Spirit have you stretch and do? Let's just be obedient to God. I want you to take that card. I want you to hold it up. Everybody just take your card. If it's blank, if it's in your seat and, you're blank, and it's blank, hold it up. If you got it filled out, hold it up. Everybody hold up this card and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're committed to us. We thank you for the commitment of your word, the commitment of your spirit, the commitment of your blood, the commitment of the Holy Spirit. You promised that you would give us the Holy Spirit and we thank you for him. And now this is an opportunity for us to commit to your work, what you're doing here at Living Word Family Church. And we take this commitment seriously. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would give us the courage to fill this out and to be committed to what we see you doing. Or maybe we don't see you doing it, but we want you to do it. So we ask you to stir our hearts today, God to be committed in Jesus name amen. amen now the worship team is going to lead us in worship and uh, we're just going to give us some private moments with the Holy Spirit and with our spouses with each other and then um, we're going to bring our commitments right up here and lay them on the platform because we're going to pray over them all together as a church so uh, let's go ahead and prepare these again if anybody's uncomfortable you don't want to do this please don't I, I shouldn't keep saying that but I just want you to realize this is not a it's not a high pressure thing we, we're looking for who God's speaking to and the commitments that God wants us to make so go ahead and prepare your commitment right now and uh, we'll bring those up and worship the Lord with those in just a moment